You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next minute, next minute, for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who and some other things, so you don't have to. I'm JR, and I am here today with David Banks, who's back for the third time, uh-huh. and also with a very special guest that David's brought along with him. David, would you like to tell us who our other special guest is on this episode? Yeah, I've just dragged him through the door, and it's Mark Hardy, my cyber lieutenant. Oh. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hello, this everybody. Is an- <laughs> Hello, welcome both to the podcast. An audio reunion of sorts. Yeah. I don't Amazing. know if we're going to find anything to talk about in the next minute. <laughs> but well, it's love to, to meet my old cyber leader oh, yeah. um, uh, again. <laughs> Actually, before we talk about anything else, you two have you, you worked together on Doctor Who for about six years or so in the 1980s, but you've actually kept in touch since, which is something that not all actors do, haven't you? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we, we, we keep seeing each other. I think people are beginning to talk. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be cyber jealousy going around, I'm not sure. That's right. We're always these cyber um, sort of uh, reunions, aren't there, David? Events, or yeah. Conventions Who events. and events. Yeah, yeah. We're always so we keep on being crossed together, as it were. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, I wouldn't quite put it like that, but but yeah. yes, it's it's um, uh, well, it's been great. Actually, there was a program. I don't know if you listen to Saturday Live, uh, Radio Four, um, mm-hmm. but yes. I sometimes listen to it, and they they have a kind of theme, and they say, well, you know, uh, write in, tell us, write an email while we're on air to tell us about certain things. This morning, it was about pairings, about you know people who are kind of paired off with other people, and I was really tempted especially yes. with this podcast coming up, yes. to write to them about you and me, Mark. Oh, because I right. thought, yes. you know, I mean, because this is the kind of thing that they're interested in. And, yes. you know, the pairing of Cybermen. They would have loved that. Because <laughs> we got together, when was it? 1981. Yeah. We met at the audition of the first, the, uh, that was the first time we met, wasn't it? At the yeah. original inter- interview for Doctor Who. You've mentioned we met this before, before, but it might be it might be uh, false news. Uh, oh. I, I well, it, I can't remember meeting you at at that interview, but um, I certainly remember meeting you at the read through, and you know, uh, and and getting together, and and just because there was so much dialogue, wasn't there? We yeah. we really rehearsed that, like almost like a, a theatre play. Yeah. Um, did, did you two sort of go off and? do sort of your own personal rehearsals between the two of you where you just go over the lines and stuff? Yeah. Um, I think we did a bit, didn't we? Oh, in those rehearsal rooms of the BBC. Yeah, because there was a lot of time when we were sort of um, sitting sitting around, as it were. Um, yeah. I think we did go through our lines, didn't we, David? Oh, absolutely. Sort of scripts, I, I, you yeah. know, I have this memory of, of sitting on the floor, actually, in the corner of, of the rehearsal room, going mm. through our lines, while... Probably Beryl Reed was having an argument with the director or something. <laughs> 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 but, 
Um, was it was that something that both of you were used to doing the sort of a week of rehearsal or whatever it was before the recording because I, that was that was something that was still a regular thing on Doctor Who but of course it's been phased out since and I think it was pretty much starting to be phased out even back then did you have much experience of that kind of thing well well I, I was um May, most of my other stuff had been in the theatre, whereas, of course, we do have, you know, several weeks rehearsal. Yeah. But, um, yeah, David, this had how many weeks? How long many weeks rehearsal did we have, actually? Before... Well, it, it was it, uh, the Earthshock was in two parts, wasn't it? And um, yes. I, I think this was a breakaway from the previous series where it was in four parts. You know, you you have more many, many parts sometimes. The Invasion, for example, Patrick Trout yeah. was eight parts, I think. But uh, this was two parts. And so yes. the way that that was organized was two weeks, two weeks, and a, two weeks for the first part. And then at the end of the two weeks, you had two days in the studio. And then That's we came back right. for another two weeks. So and then another two days in the studio. So in our costumes, you know, it was yes. four days, basically, for that, yes. that show. And and we rehearsed, yeah, we rehearsed right through. You have a read-through, yeah. which is normal anyway, whether it's film or whatever. And then, uh, uh, well, sorry, I, I shouldn't say whether it's film, but for television, I think it's it's yeah. very normal for the cast to meet, and then you have a read-through, and then you start the process of, of uh, you know, either doing filming or the, or the in, in that case, that, you know, then, in the 80s, it was yes. you'd, you'd do scenes by scene and you'd be called for a scene just as in the theatre um, yes so for me because I'd just done theatre before this was my first television it sort of um, it was kind of the log logical you know rehearsing mm -hmm. the it didn't seem too strange didn't, didn't seem, seem, seem too strange, too strange. Mm -hmm. yeah. well actually okay so I'm gonna my plan has already gone out the window oh, for the, no. <laughs> the format for this no don't worry about it I like to have a plan no I don't like to have a plan usually usually I'll just go wherever the conversation takes us so this is only about the third time in the history of this podcast that I've made a plan and it's already gone so don't worry I'm gonna go back a little bit oh. though for Mark because Mark you had a part in a Tom Baker's story oh Do you yes remember the power of crawl where you played one of the swampies but i was going to ask because i believe if i remember rightly that you would only have been in the film sequences on that rather than in the stuff in the studio do you remember if you were in the studio and did you actually do any rehearsing for that or was it just turn up at the film locations and record the things you had to do well i was in weekly rep in southwold in suffolk yeah. And um, uh, they came to film in the marshes um, quite nearby. And I remember they rang up, really, um, looking for uh, actors in the local area um, to, to come. And so it was a quite so for me, it was it was quite, it was near Woodbridge, actually, um, yeah. in Suffolk. And so my weekly reps, the, the summer season finished and I went straight over. Uh, to Woodbridge, where they were filming nearby, uh, with Tom Baker, of course, doing sw the Swampies. And um, uh, I found, uh, oh, it was actually it was it was a fantastic experience because they did, they did, no, they did filming pretty well straight straight in there. We we mm. had a coach, we sat in, and they gave this green sort of uh, petrol based sort of 
paint all over our bodies with our loincloths <laughs> and our green I don't know whether weeds. David knows about that. <laughs> and off we went in, into the marshes. But interestingly enough, I was called into uh, London, I think only for two days or something like that. But I was one of the few that was actually called, uh, had to go to London as well to continue, which was great. As uh, That's oh, wow. what I recall yeah. in my mind. But um, so I did it. So but mainly it was out there um, in the marshes and it was uh, it was fine. But you did, we didn't really know what was going on. We didn't really know the full story. We were just we just did our sw- our swampy bits. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if David knows about this. You were out in the marshes in the middle of September, covered from head to foot in green paint. Yes. I do know. I I know about that because um, when Mark and I did Five Doctors together, the Five Doctors, um, we when we'd finished it because then it was in the cold, damp uh, February weather in Wales and in Wales. So we driving back, we stopped off at Port Marion. Do you remember? Yes, I do. And we and and we the reason we did it partly because of kind of a, a pilgrimage to. The prisoner, um, but also I—I I performed there as well in in, in Canterbury Tales, I think, and um, wow. and stayed there. And but Mark, you said, I think you said that's where the swampies were filmed, and um, oh. so we we went into and so the marshes were part of uh, the landscape there, wasn't it? What you mean in Wales? Yes, wasn't wasn't that? I seem to remember that. I, unless this is false memory, and because we we also made another trip down to to Cornwall somewhere, didn't we, to take somebody's some oh, yes. piece of furniture? We, we, we did some removals, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> Maybe it was then. Did we stop off then? And did you say, "Oh, we're near the place where I filmed the Swampies"? Oh, well, that that's it? interesting. I don't I don't remember that bit because I do remember the reason why I got the Swampies was because I was in um, uh, my first job actually in uh, Southwold. But where, uh, so where is that? Where would it have been? Well, that nowhere, was... Nowhere near Port Mary. No, uh, actually totally the other end in Suffolk. Um, or Norfolk. I think it was Norfolk, actually. But then, and, oh, I've got a book open in front of me. It says it's Suffolk, but it could Suffolk. be wrong. Yeah, and yeah. I remember staying at Woodbridge and um, getting to the set. But it was right out. Yes, it was right out. It was, And we also did a night shoot, I remember, where we all had these blankets and sort of hot cocaine it was very late um into the dark in the dark i haven't seen it recently apparently it's been you can get it still can't you on on cd yeah yeah something but um and there was um i've been there 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 was quite an interesting cast actually but what was really interesting it was really difficult to get that paint off and the only way (laughs) we could get it off was to (laughs) rub ourselves with swarf, is it Swarfiga or some sort of jelly stuff to get it off. And we used to go to the American air base to have showers. But how, when you say, (laughs) Mark, when you say that you were painted, I mean, how much of you were exposed? You said you did your swampy bits, but were your swampy bits painted? (laughs) (laughs) I was painted completely except for my little swampy bits. Oh, no. Yes, you have a sort of loincloth thing. And um, otherwise, literally, that was it. You had uh, chest, arms, face, legs, uh, totally covered in this green, in this green paint. 
but not your teeth as we have <laughs> later in this. So. No, I can't. I can't remember what actually happened about the teeth. But can uh, you remember standing there? Mm. <laughs> can you remember standing there in the middle of March, in the middle of September, covered from head to toe in green paint with nothing else but a little loincloth on, and thinking to yourself, I've made it, I'm on television? <laughs> well, it was quite funny because for some reason at that time we didn't want to, we wanted to be these great actors and stuff, so a lot of us didn't want to be seen as like basically one of the crowd. And I uh, remember yeah. there was a local television crew from Norfolk or something, from Norwich probably, uh, wanting to um, interview us about being swampers in Suffolk. And it was silly because, you know, when you're starting off, you're very you're a bit paranoid about being labelled to be the wrong yeah. thing. I didn't want to be thought of as a, a lifetime swampy. So I um, we all hid <laughs> from this camera crew, which is rather sad, really, because... Um, it would have been quite fun to actually do interviews because they're probably yeah. on YouTube now. Well, you never know. You might get called back if um, season 16 gets a Blu-ray release. <laughs> we'll get around to the one that is coming up later, the yeah. reason we've got together. but I, I do remember one thing, though. I do remember a lot of school children being um, herded up to the marshes to see Doctor Who being filmed and to try and meet Tom Baker. And I remember Tom Baker being furious saying, look, these children should be at school. Because um, it sort of delayed everything. Wow. But anyway. What was Tom Baker like? Do you remember? Um, he, was um, he was fine. He was very nice. And I remember him, though, I don't know how long it was before he actually retired from, bit, from Doctor Who. But I remember at the bar in the sort of hotel where he was staying that evening, saying, one of the evenings, saying, oh, gosh, I think... Um, I, you know, I'm, this is I'm reaching near my my last season of Doctor Who. Yeah. I think I want to stop it soon, but um, I'm not quite sure how long he went on after that because he was well, he one of another, the longest. Yeah, seasons. he was. Yeah, he did another two years. Did he? <laughs> yeah, he's already talking about stopping. I think most people kind of agree he should have left at the end of that year. Really, because oh, that was really? five years. Yeah, That's yeah. Well, he was obviously it... talking about it. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> don't worry. Is it uh, Tom Baker? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it might be. <laughs> now, Mark, now, Mark, I don't think you should talk to me. You shouldn't talk about me like that, really. <laughs> <laughs> but he, yeah, he was, this was the point at which, because Tom Baker had a bit of a poor reputation sort of from around that time for not taking the programme seriously anymore. And I just wondered if there was any inkling of that when you were down in the marshes, because I think he's actually pretty good that year, actually. Um, he had a, a poor, poor reputation for what, sorry? Well, for just not taking the programme seriously anymore. The year after that, he was joking around and not doing the scripts that Justice really sort of... He just stopped taking Doctor Who seriously for a while. Oh. And it was about that time that it was that that was sort of starting. But you obviously didn't get any inkling of that while you were there. I didn't because, I mean, I wasn't one of the main characters. No, yeah. And also, of course, the the Swampies and the group of Swampies, uh, we were led by uh, Abenary. Um, John Abenary. John Abenary. Yeah. And, and and in a way, I suppose a lot of our scenes weren't actually with with Tom Baker. Um, so I don't know about that. I, yeah. Yes, I, I wasn't really, I suppose, up in that little group of lead mm. actors 
to know what they were, whether he was, you know, messing about and stuff. Uh, I did you enjoy that. it though? Sorry? Did you enjoy it though? I did enjoy it. Yes, I did. And it was, and what was exciting was actually being called up, um, unless my memory is totally wrong, being called up to um, to London to the studio because I think only three of us were. Mm. Um, so that was that was also exciting, but it was a total coincidence that I ended up doing a, a cyber lieutenant later on. Um, well, know. yeah. Should we should we get to that then? Because <clears throat> you must both have gone in then to do auditions and to read. Can you remember either of you, both of you, what it were, what the anticipation was like to sort of go in and read to be a cyberman in Doctor Who? Was it something that you really wanted? Perhaps, uh, or... Uh, who? Do you, do you want to speak? Um, oh, well, either of you, well, yeah, yeah. As far as I was concerned, I think it was my agent phoned and said, there's um, this, uh, maybe apart from you, Doctor Who, and they're probably zipped through Spotlight and seen my height, which was six foot four, I suppose. And yeah. uh, so in I went, and um, the, 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 the problem with me is I... For some reason, I'd stopped watching Doctor Who, so I I knew the Daleks very well, but I'd kind of missed the Cybermen. So when he yeah. said, "Look, we're bringing about back the, the Cybermen," and really, I'm I'm I want to you to read part for the Cyber Cybermen. You, do you know who the Cybermen are? And I had to say, "No, I don't. I just know the Daleks." And I um and I think probably he was quite surprised. Um, but I read the part and. Uh, then later, yes, got got the part, so I was pleased. Although, of course, I secretly wanted to be cyber leader, but uh, <laughs> I wasn't given that opportunity. <laughs> cyber lieutenant's not bad, though. <laughs> You'll be promoted sometime. <laughs> Only when he gets rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time you get bumped off, you just come back. I know, it's good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah but the, the advantage of being a cyber lieutenant is that, that I can play... Other character, uh, other Cybermen as well. Um, yeah, that's an advantage. Lieutenants. Yeah, to save money. I don't see that as an advantage, Mark. Well, it? no, it, wa- it wasn't. But I thought at the time I might get a bit of extra money by <laughs> oh, being killed yes. off as different Cybermen. Oh, you didn't, that did didn't happen. You? No, no. What about you, David? Were you aware? Uh, because it had been like about. 13, 14 years, there'd only been one Cyberman story. Mm. Were you aware that this was going to be a big reboot for the Cybermen and it was like this big thing in Doctor Who? No, not not a real big um, return. Uh, I did know the Cybermen and yeah. I was beginning to be interested in in cybernetics and, and in artificial intelligence and all of that. Um, but I saw it in PCR. I saw it in this casting magazine called uh, a newsletter called Professional Casting Report, and um, it, my agent didn't ring me about it. I rang her and said <laughs> I wanted to do it. She said, "Well, it's behind a mask, you know." I said, "Well, yeah, but it's Doctor Who, and you know, I just think it would it'd be really cool thing to do." And think about it it's you know nobody knows who i am so i can do all sorts of other things it's not typecasting <laughs> i said then but um it's uh yeah so that was that was my approach and i 
but I really did think through it. As I remember going, uh, as I was making my way to Shepherd's Bush, where where the interviews were taking place, um, I remember thinking how I should walk, and and although we didn't have, I don't think we had the script beforehand. Did we, Mark? Um, uh, no, I don't think uh, we did. So, not. but thinking, you know, thinking how how. I did remember Tenth Planet. You see, that that had scared me when I was little, and and it's, uh, um, and I, I I seem to remember sing songy voices and so on. And I thought, well, yeah, yeah. Know, obviously they're not going to speak like old, ordinary humans. So that was sort of my preparation. Um, but the funny thing is, so you know, when I met uh, Peter Grimway, um, the director. Uh, he talked about, it and you know, he 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 said he explained that this was going to be the big return, and um, and they were hoping for big things, and 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 asked, you know, he seemed to be pleased with the reading, but I was very aware that they wanted tall people. I um, this funny funny thing is because uh, as you mentioned, Mark and I have just done this thing together, which we'll talk about later. But yeah. the director of it, I, I went. I went for a, a lunch with him actually afterwards, and we had really, you know, a, a, um, a, a wide-ranging conversation. And one of the things was because they had to look at Earthshock again and again and again, and they said yeah. what they noticed was that all the Cybermen that had been chosen had really small bottoms, and maybe that, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that, rather than a. Height, obviously, had have height as well. But maybe Mark, you know, it was our really small bottoms that did it. That was it. Probably is. Yes, I didn't. I didn't think. Well, about I've it. got to say, I can't honestly say I've ever looked. <laughs> okay, we believe it. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so, well, you've just brought up Peter Grimwade. He was. Um, what was he like? Do you remember? Um, I, I, I seem to remember. Um, he was uh, um, he was fine. He was fine with us. Very, um, uh, I don't know. He he, I th- he he seemed had no. I had no no problems with him. I know he got sort of quite um, fraught with uh, one or two people, but um, with us he was fine. I think wasn't he, David? He, he was. He was, um, and very serious about it. And that's what struck me actually. Mm. Uh, that that everybody, um, you know, t- took it seriously. All the all the regulars and so on. They they were really serious about doing a good job. And mm. um, Peter uh, had a really difficult job to do with Earthshock in particular because mm. uh, there were there were so many different scenes, and they wanted to make it almost filmic. Um, mm. And because it's it's multi camera, you know, about six cameras around us on that gallery floor. Uh, it's that means that you can you can actually film very very quickly uh, rather than having one camera and setting it up and then doing the over the shoulder shot and all that kind of stuff, which is what you do now, uh, you know, when you're filming. But mm. uh, the, the multi multi camera um, gallery work. So the the, the doctor, the um, the director, and the producer are in the gallery. That's on the first floor, as it were looking at all the screens and then you go from one to the other almost editing it in the can yeah um, yeah and then the director sends down messages to the floor manager the assistant floor managers and the and the and the costume and the, and the makeup people um uh so uh, 
it at times you did get the sense in studio that things were really very fraught because you had to stop exactly at 10 because the unions yes, yes. would switch the lights off, switch everything off. And so you mm. couldn't film it. And I think and, he was, the times he was very anxious were, were those times when he knew he was coming up against that, that, that buffer. Yes. Right. Cause he does have a, he did have a reputation for being slightly an anxious person, but then he also, I think, is probably regarded as well as the sort of best director who was working on Doctor Who at, at that sort of during that period. So he obviously, whatever he was doing, he was doing it right. He was getting the stuff done. Yeah, yes. yeah, and 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 I and I think because you know under J and T under the under the producer, um, there were people brought in who were probably you know unusual. Uh, actors to play yeah. Doctor Who, for example, mm. um, Beryl Reed. Beryl Reed, to mention one, <laughs> um, yes. and uh, you know, Dinah Sheridan. I remember another one. Who, yes. And who? Yes, yeah, Dinah Sheridan. Philip Latham. Yeah. There were some quite interesting yeah. actors. Yeah, uh, quite starry, big stars actually. Yeah. yeah. So, so the but and Ken Dodd, you know, in the, in in the eighties. Yeah, people, yeah, people like that, and so the d- directors who, who were used, you know, who you might imagine were, were used to dealing with, with with the Doctor Who scenario, were suddenly faced with these people who were from show business or you know from comedy. Or um, actually, Beryl Reed was making a name for herself as a serious actress, having been a comedy actress, but she yes. knew nothing about Doctor Who. No. <laughs> No. But then you put the lines in front of somebody and, you you know, as long as they can understand. But I always think, even if they don't understand the techno jargon, as long as they understand the emotional sort of side of what they've got to say, as long as they can keep up with the sort of emotional trajectory of the character, that's really the important thing. It, it is, it? but it was difficult with, with, uh, um, with her because mm. uh, I mean, there were things like she didn't understand... What warp drive? What a warp drive was. You see, so she said, "We're going into warp drive," and and she kept saying it in a way that was very odd. And Peter right. tried to explain it, and and she and she said, "Well, is it, would this be? You know, is is it is it like Primrose Avenue? We're going into Primrose Avenue." <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but I know there was a problem over warp drive or the stress of warp. <laughs> Number thirteen, warp drive. Wow. <laughs> was was the experience of Earthshock fun as well then? Uh, yes. Well, it, it was. Um, there, there was that rush, wasn't there? Always, David, to get everything in by ten o'clock. Was it? Was there? A, it wasn't. A, a, people went on to go slow or something. Or was it, were they? Was that something else? No, I, it, I think I don't think it was. I'm not sure. I don't think it was then in Earthshock, but it was certainly the fact that there's so many scenes to fit in. So, I think actually, yeah, Silver Nemesis. There was a problem. Ah, uh, yes. Because oh, um, yeah. oh, I'm trying to remember now. I think the filming of that was delayed by a week because of it might have been a union strike. And the filming was delayed by a week, so you had one week fewer than you expected to get it all uh, recorded, right. if I remember rightly. That was it. So, yeah, that would have been that a few years later. Yeah. 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 The the other thing that, in, that I remember from Earthshock, which was quite tricky uh, compared to later on, was that when we said the lines, they were just 
in our our hearing it was just our voice and they they distorted the voice and made the voice more like a cyberman um yeah. in the studio later didn't they or upstairs in the in the recording it wasn't later mark it was, as far it was at as the same time was it it was at the same time well obviously we, we couldn't hear it we could hear ourselves and we spoke into a mic but um yeah we so whereas in a recent experience we've had um mark and i don't know how yeah. much we can talk about this but but um, <laughs> we we you know we did the kind of a radio version an audio version uh, of of cybermen and we heard ourselves as cybermen yes. and that was a very interesting uh um, experience, wasn't it? it and was. It was, it was actually made it much easier in a phone. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh, it made it easier rather than harder. I think so. Well, uh, I, I think so, least, but it was very well, strange, yes. Yeah, it, it made it easier in the sense that we were, it was instant because, you know, radio work is a bit, bit more like film work, that you're you're doing these bits um, and you don't have all that much rehearsal, you hardly have yeah. no rehearsal, actually. But it's um, for for us in Earthshock. It was really like we'd rehearsed it. We knew what we were doing. We'd walked about in the rehearsal rooms, pretending to be cyber leader and cyber lieutenant, yes. and imagining what our voices would be like. And so it wasn't very much different, that we, apart from the terrible discomfort of being in those hot costumes in yes. helmets that you couldn't remove yourself. The the fact that you were playing cyber lead or cyber lieutenant was not something that we found difficult because we couldn't hear cyber voices. But the, there is there was an occasion where uh, when Peter Peter Davison got too close to me, um, yes. they suddenly realised he was speaking with a cybernetic voice as well because he had <laughs> picked up on my mic. <laughs> wow. So the floor manager had to come and separate us and say, would you stand a bit further apart? Peter, would you stand back, please? Stand back. Wow. The two of you, you worked together, well, three times, because, Mark, you weren't in Attack of the Cybermen. I'll ask you about that in a moment. Finding a character for a Cyberman, was that difficult? And actually, given that I've got both of you here, was that something you were able to help each other out with? Uh, it what it did they, help. I it thought David real... actually got his cyber leader character um, much um, much clearer and much more hmm. uh, definitive actually than me, in the sense that I thought uh, I think I sort of because my voice is different, slightly thinner than David's, and not so deep and definite. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was obviously a difference between us, and certainly in our postures, but. Um, <laughs> I, I I always felt that actually David was able to develop a, a much more of a leadership kind of character, and um, than my lieutenant. But but there is definitely a difference, isn't there? When when you see Earthshock, at least I hope. Yeah, I think I think that. See this this shows the difference between the Cybermen that came before. I think not only were we the we weren't the first. Cybermen who could walk as well as talk. Um, <laughs> we, but we, we were recognisable. Uh, you yeah. were definitely recognisable as the lieutenant, and your your voice, your personality came through. And 
we hope that it was coming through to the extent that we, that, you know, that you could just be there and say the lines. Of course, you know, JNT did say, look, when, you, when you're standing there, will you please move? Because I can't tell yes. which of you is talking. He said that with ad- added words, but I didn't put them in. No. <laughs> um, so, so there were some shots where you did have to move a bit like a, you know, super marionation, uh, yes. you know, Jerry Anderson thing. Yes, well, incredible um, unsubtle acting of sort of big nodding of head or yes, moving yeah, of arms and that, stuff. It seemed that like like that. Yeah, yeah. But um, but I think you know if you look back at the previous one, seven years before, um, Revenge of the Cybermen. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you you clearly have a a, a very a, a big a strange character in in Christopher Robbie's cyber leader, but the other Cybermen just. Uh, go for nothing, I think, don't they? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, That's probably... Go on, sorry. No, I, was, on. I was just going to say, and the other thing about developing the character is that, of course, being Cybermen, the idea is that they're emotion, they don't have any emotion. And then if you actually do it without any emotion, it's kind of... Um, can be quite flat. So you've got to get a sort of, um, say, the line in a kind of flat way, but with a bit, bit of um, yeah. feeling behind it, uh, in, in a way. It's a strange um, sort of c- contrast, really, because we're supposed to be emotionless, and yet we need to be um, get our be quite forceful in some of the lines. Well, I, I think I said to David before, you've got to try and find that space sort of halfway in between being a robot and engaging an audience. Yes. Cause yes. I think by the 1980s, cause the Cybermen hadn't really been around much since the 1960s. And in the 1960s, everything was a little bit more simple, Yes, a little bit more cartoony maybe. And I think by the 1980s, I don't think audiences would have been able to engage with Cybermen who had been completely as emotionless and robotic as the early ones. So I think the decision to get the two of you in and to get the two of you doing a character and giving it just that little bit yeah. of sort of an emotional heft was definitely the right one. Well, yeah. well, yes, also, I mean, I think a great deal of rubbish actually has talked about emotionlessness and how, how this mm. should, how the Cybermen should, in, in the parts that we played, in Earthshock, certainly, uh, should be emotionless. Um, I... I was taken up with this, this idea, um, but, uh, and, and partly because of what I remembered from 10th Planet, but, but Peter did point out, Peter, uh, Peter um, Grimway, Grimway yeah. uh, that the first appearance of the Simon right at the end of the first episode had to be um, really uh, exciting and yeah. and a surprise, and you couldn't say it in in a very kind of downbeat or uninflected way. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know that's mm. the way it was going. But when when I you know I've I've spent the last thirty seven years thinking <laughs> <laughs> and writing and speaking about about cybermen and about related mm. subjects, and uh, it's it's clear to me now, absolutely clear, and. Uh, this was something of a development uh, of 500 years um, 
uh, change. Um, the yeah. first cybermen we saw were in the uh, eighty in nineteen eighty six. Wasn't it? That, in That's 10th right, Planet, yes. said in 1986. Yeah. These men that we were playing were 500 years later. There's a certain evolution that's gone on, and it's a sophistication of technology. And uh, so, you know, whether uh, whether the, the, the creatures that are in there who are meant to be human still, whatever remains of them, and you see part of it moving through the visible jaw, um, however much they're taken up by... Uh, spare parts, what they're trying to do has a certain uh, intention, and it's the intensity of their goal that they're trying to get to, uh, the, the intensity with which they're trying to reach that goal, that's what you see. It's not emotionless. It's maybe not emotional, but it's something very close to what we have yeah. as an emotional drive. We certainly have a drive. And of course, the other thing that's happened in the years since then is that we do give personalities and a certain amount of the appearance of emotions anyway to, you know, our computer voices and things like that, you know, mm. ask Alexa or whatever it is. Mm. And given another 500 years of development of that, Can you, imagine? Well, you know, yeah, we'll have robots with proper full personalities, that's won't true. we? So you wouldn't necessarily expect the Cybermen no. not to have a personality, would you? No. That's why. That's why you know to to to, to go on about this, which which people, you know, we do go on about it. We it is a mm. question that was raised again and again and again. But actually, if yeah, you analyze it like that, which I did in my in my book, you know, I, I kind of spun out a theory about how the evolution of their technology would create people like the cyber leader and the cyber lieutenant. Um, who uh, are going to express themselves in ways that are, are not uninflected uh, and super cool? They are yeah. actually going to uh, they they're going to hint at at least hint at something going on underneath. As when Peter Davison, the the, the doctor, uh, um, has that wonderful string of things that humans can enjoy. And <laughs> cybermen can't, and and the cyber leader says these things are irrelevant. But it's yeah. the intensity with which he says irrelevant. It is as if he's forcing something down. And you know, this is what struck me. This is why in Iceberg, I write about the the one of the cybermen who is troubled by emotional memory. You know, memory of the time that he had a skin when he could enjoy the warmth of the sun and and the love of his partner uh, and those memories are the ones that are meant to have been erased but they keep coming back yeah yeah yes. I, um, Mark, I haven't seen the more recent uh, Cybermen but have they developed um, characters as such or are they character individual characters or are they like group autom automatons as it were they are I would say they are more, I would say they're somewhere in between the 60s ones and the ones that you did in the 80s. I'd say they probably lean slightly more towards what you did in the 80s, but they've still got a bit of what was going on in the 1960s. Well, the big but difference, they've not brought, the big difference yeah. is that they don't, they can't walk and talk 
can they? <laughs> they have to have Mick Briggs giving giving them voices. The voice afterwards, yeah, yeah. But they certainly haven't well. got. Yeah, they certainly haven't gone for giving the Cybermen personalities. And actually, having this conversation, that might be a really interesting thing to do with the Cybermen. Yeah. I think they. I mean, I think the leader and lieutenant in Earthshock and and maybe after. Uh, did have personalities. You could, you mm, can always yes. tell. Uh, just hearing the voice, not not just yeah. not seeing them necessarily, but you know, yes. you know, not seeing. Oh, he's got black handlebars. He hasn't. That's the difference. No, it's the it's the voice, yes. the walk, um, and uh, and the, and the laugh. In in Mark's case, if I may say so, the, sorry, not the laugh. <laughs> <laughs> what seems like a laugh as you as you get murdered, you get killed for the third time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually it is actually what some of the people at the conventions have said they slightly miss is those individual uh, characters but yeah because they well now you've just got the same voice on all the cybermen so the the voice is not completely without emotion but you don't get any differentiation between the various cybermen in the hierarchy right no, well, maybe somebody listening to this podcast yes. will have something to do with uh, the TV series and suggest it. Yes. Look, we are—we're still talking about Earthshock, and we've been going nearly. <laughs> I had so many things I was going to cover in this. Should we hop around a little bit yeah. and talk about some of the other stories? The Five Doctors—you were both on that. Yes. What's your work on the Five Doctors? You did have a bit of studio work on the Five Doctors. Were you involved in the full rehearsals, or did you? come in later on that and did the pair of you get to work with the other doctors patrick troughton and john pertwee did you get to see much of those mm. Mm. well yes we did david didn't we well i seem oh, to remember yeah. uh i remember them all but we were on we were on location somewhere weren't we uh yeah, for the in, five doctors well, in in wales yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right um and um, and we stayed at the Bell Inn for about ten days. That's right. And everybody and was there. So everybody got was there. To know and it was everybody. Just fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. it was fantastic. Um, uh, yeah. And I mentioned, mm. yeah, Pertwee, and just the, the, you know, the, I mentioned them all. Basically, I remember the bar afterwards. Actually, yes, so do I. Yeah, yes, it's the first time I had whiskey. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, <laughs> and 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 Peter told me he was uh, teetotal. Um, I remember the huge baths we had. We didn't have a bath en suite, but do you remember that, Mark? I, I mean, do. We didn't have and a bath to get so anything. <laughs> it, it well, we needed the bath because, because, yes, yeah. Yes. And for you, especially, you couldn't wear um, thermals underneath your too tight Cyberman uh, uh, costume, could you? So you must have been very cold. Uh, images is getting ha having a hot bath as soon as we're getting back yeah. to that inn. Yes. And I'm I, I having. I had long conversations with Patrick and Patrick Troughton, yes. and he was my favourite doctor. And you know I, that was just a delight. And then getting to to meet and know John Pertwee, and you know, of course, we couldn't. We, we didn't have your pleasure, Mark, of uh, of meeting Tom Baker. He was <laughs> he was in it no. in a way, but he was not at the Bell, and he was not in any of it. Actually, was he? No, he did. Yeah. Did he no, refuse he, to be in it or something, or was it too soon yeah. after? He got yeah. stuck in it in the actual uh, show. He he gets stuck in a sort of time warp, doesn't he? He's mm. going down a river, I seem to remember, and then it sort of freezes or something. I'm not quite That's sure. That's right. Yeah. They used um, a clip from a story that hadn't been finished, 
So oh, nobody had, right. yeah. So nobody had seen the clip, so they were able to use it. Right. So yeah. So there was no Tom Baker, and of course no William Hartnell. Do you remember what Richard Handel was like, the guy who played the first Doctor? Yes. Um, uh, yeah. I, I mean, he made quite a good stab, didn't he? At, uh, he was. He looked very yeah. like him. I thought. Yeah. He was excellent. And he'd been chosen by the widow of, of William Hartnell who'd gone through Spotlight to choose the person that she thought most closely resembled her husband. Do you remember that story? No, yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. Well, so tell I us. Didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't realise that either. Oh, right. right. I think it was something, I th was she on set? Where did I hear that story from? Probably well, maybe from she did. Richard. Well, I was going to say maybe with John Nathan Turner. She must have done that with him, presumably. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, when, did, well, you've just brought up something that I hadn't realised. All the various actors are on location scenes, but not together. But, of course, they recorded them all in Wales. I didn't realise you'd all gone down to Wales together to do it. It's what made it so so, so lovely, really, to, you know, because location shooting on a film is is kind of kind of nice anyway. You've got to be up really early. But mm, when yes. it's all over, it's sort of cosy. I suppose a bit like you know when you've been skiing and you then you you come in and you've got you've got the fires and the and the drinks and all of that. Yeah. Um, but just just being able to talk, everybody talking to everybody else. Um, I, and the, I guess you took over a hotel, basically, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, we, we did. Yeah. And the director, uh, Peter. Peter Moffat. Peter, Peter Moffat. Moffat. Yes, he used to always have a stool one side of the bar, didn't he, with his yeah. glass of red wine. And sort yeah. of hold, hold, uh, for there. And everybody, I mean, it was it was a wonderful time. Actually, it was really we really loved it. But I have to say, I don't remember a lot of the actual work, the actual filming. I remember the um, the evenings in the bar, and yes, having a hot bath, getting in after being really really cold, and those awful cyber sandals. That oh, really well. You mean the tie up, the the. the... The lace-up boots. The lace-up boots, and I've been it's, so hoping they were going to be rather like the ski. What what were those ones? The snow we had? boots. Snow uh, boots. Moon, we had moon boots. They were called, weren't they? Moon and boots. then they kind of redesigned them with these sort of sandal things, which is totally wrong for me, anyway. For that. Um, well, absolutely wrong for the Cybermen. Can you imagine them doing their lace-ups in the morning? I don't think. Yeah, I, I know. I wonder why they keep changing them. Actually, it feel that. They'd stick with the same costumes. Yeah, they just changed a bit, but but um, the Daleks didn't yeah. change, did they? I don't think. Or did they? Of course, they went upstairs eventually, didn't they? Mm, <laughs> they did at the end. Yeah, <laughs> the Daleks essentially stayed the same. I mean, they changed colours a, a few times, but essentially they stayed the same from the start to the finish. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I don't know if there are any two Cybermen stories in a row where there's not at least a little bit, change. if not yeah. a big redesign in between but i do We've remember probably made your god no i just remember that that um a lot of the designers um at the bbc because they longed to do something like doctor who because they could actually sort of use their imagination mm. um uh in the costume you know the costume people rather than being you know doing the foresight saga and all these very uh strictly controlled sort of um uh, costumes and stuff, whereas something like Doctor Who, you could sort of go a bit wild, more wild, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was very exciting for them, and, and you know, you said that we would get on to the last thing that Mark and I did, 
together. Which, oh, um, talk about uh, it. Which, talk about it. Yeah. Shall we? Shall we? Uh, yeah. Why not? Uh, which, Go for uh, it. Is, which, which is about the making of Earthshock. To go back to that, to Earthshock. But yeah. you know, this was incredible, really. This, um, uh, I mentioned the director, you know, who was who himself, um, he produced a director, Stephen Lariviere, and and he had such enthusiasm for um, the way that Earthshock was made, and he brought back R- Richard Gregory, who was he. He'd, wasn't part of the BBC, but he he had created. He was a young designer of special effect costumes, um, and he had a, a, an, um, a, a company called Imagineering. Called it. That's right, yeah. Imagineering, and he and the costume designer Diana Collins uh, worked together on producing this completely new approach. It was only it was completely new in in the sense of um, how the costume was made, uh, but of course it had to have a certain look, a certain connection with the costumes before. So, uh, and it it did that in the main by taking the helmet and the eyes, uh, you know, this that look, um, uh, the stri- striation of you know the light kind of lines on the on the top on the and the yeah all of that which connected with the previous segment but had moved them on in a way that you'd expect uh, from the you know the five hundred years evolution well, yeah. um, and it was yeah. just a real joy to come after oh, thirty seven years. So this is, I sh- we should say, this is for the Blu-ray set of season nineteen, which is out in November. Uh, okay, and so we can, yeah, and they, they've. Uh, I thought it yeah, was a yeah, sequel. Why not? <laughs> it, well, well, last time we spoke, we both knew about it, and we yeah. talked a bit about it off the air, and we said we should come back and talk a bit more about right, it right. once yes. it's been announced. Yeah. And now, of course, it has been. So they've gone back and they've made a brand new documentary about Earthshock, and you've both been off together to record parts for the new documentary about it. That's right. Uh, With well, what was it like? Did you go back to um, any? Lo- was it locations that you went back to? Because I can't. You you wouldn't either of you have been on location for Earthshock, would you? We weren't. No. 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 Um, yeah, but the, no, we, it was it, it was uh, it was filmed in just one studio, um, but the right, studio was yeah. kitted out with newly made facsimiles of of a couple of the the settings. So oh. when I was interviewed with Richard, we stood in front of <laughs> the door. Do you remember, Mark, when you came through a door as a Cyberman, yes. and you were caught in the yes. door. Because the, oh, the, I was going to ask if that uh, was Mark. <laughs> I didn't realise. <laughs> and so, Richard and I were. So this was recreated by one of Richard's imagineering designers, and it wow. looked exactly the same. And and there was Richard and I talking in front of it. And uh, Richard had brought along a costume, parts of which were my original costume. Yeah, that was amazing. Earthshock. Which is found. Uh, in the attic, didn't he, or his attic, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, original, the very original helmet, I think, as well. The, didn't it always the helmet, oh. and well, yes, and it actually wasn't my original suit, but it was the original um, chest piece, and uh, 
actually, you know, it was amazing. I, 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 I still fitted it. Um, oh, wow. I mean, neither neither you nor I have have really changed physically very much, have we? No, um, no, we could still get uh, into both our costumes, actually. Well, but what a collector's uh, item he's yours, got! I can get into mine. <laughs> have <laughs> you both still got just, small bottoms then? <laughs> yes, we must have small bottoms. We mustn't try and get into the same costume together, Mark. No, my, no, my my <laughs> costume was extremely tight. I remember um, it was very difficult to get into and out of. But um, amazing that he should still have them, actually, because I didn't think he did. But there they are, the he originals. Was yeah, he was a Collector's items, I would have yeah. thought. Yeah. That's, um, it sounds, then, like you had a lot of fun doing this documentary. Uh, yeah, but it was only, what, it was an hour or an hour or two. Yeah. Um, just sitting on a stool, really answering questions. Well, you, you came in in the afternoon, I think, Mark, didn't you? I, I did. Mean, I, Maybe I, I was there all day, because... You know, I wanted to meet Richard anyway and, and get, you know, just, right. uh, you know, we were yapping a bit. And then and then we were, the scene was set up. And then Richard sat on a stool and, and talked to the camera endlessly, um, very interestingly. And then you and I uh, were, were standing up and, and just talking together in answer to the director's questions. Yes. But yes. that, I, have you have you seen it, Mark? Have you seen no. it? Have, Stephen, Should I have it? Perhaps not. Oh, Stephen sent me a link to something that was near the finished product, and right. uh, uh, and in fact, you know, I was so surprised to find because you know, Janet's talking about it. Janet Fielding, yes. um, Peter Davison's there, and Eric Sayward. They're all you know, bringing all these memories back, and uh, Ringway. Who played Ringway? What's his name? Oh, um, I tell you what, I'll look it up because my mind is not as good as it used to be over these things. Do you remember, so was... Mark? Do you remember Ringo? No, I, no, I don't, actually. He was very nice, very good actor. Um, but anyway, he was talking about it, and lots of memories came back with them talking about it. Uh, but with Eric... Oh, Sa- with Alex Eric Sabin, was... sorry. Oh, Alec, Alec Saywood. Alex Sabin. S- Sabin, oh, apparently, Sabin. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, That's what it says here, yeah. But um, we didn't, Mark and I, we didn't get to meet any of these people because they were on a different day. Yeah, but, it was rather uh, sad then, actually, yes. Every different times. Saywood was, was talking about, and there was a kind of, there was somebody on set who was a sort of fan, but he was also in with Eric and called John, uh, I can't remember his name, but, You're not talking about Ian Levine, are you? No, no, no. No. You're talking about something else that was happening in the studio at the time. Are you talking about on the set for the um, documentary? Yeah. He came along. Helmet. Oh, you're breaking up a bit. Yeah. And he brought along. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go on, sorry. And. And John John said, uh, "Would you like to meet Eric? Uh, you know, I have lunch with him from time to time." And I said, "That would be fantastic." I hadn't seen him for about thirty-five years, yeah. and, and so wow. uh, and so it was. <laughs> a couple fantastic. of weeks later, yeah. and that's great. Amazing. That was after the documentary, yeah. 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 Great. Wow! Wow! 
Look, before we go, because yep. we've not got an awful long lot left, let's do a little bit more jumping around your Cybermen stories in the 1980s, and then I'll ask you both a favour, maybe. But, Mark, Attack of the Cybermen, why were you not in Attack of the Cybermen? Yes, well, I, at the time, there was a... Um, it was difficult. There, there were one or two other jobs going, and I'd taken a job that took me... Basically, it was um, a play called The Custom of the Country. And yeah. uh, and also there was another play called Run for Your Wife. And I was busy all that time. And I really oh. couldn't get out of the contract. So that was the main reason why I couldn't do it. Oh, shame. I know. Did you miss him, David? <laughs> oh, terribly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but we had... We had Brian, who, <laughs> interestingly, you knew, didn't you, Mark? I did. I was Brian at drama well. school, and he was in my year. And I thought, how mm. extraordinary out of everybody they could have chosen. They chose Brian Arell, who I knew very well from my drama school days. Yeah. Uh, it, it is extraordinary. But the other extraordinary thing is that, that um, I mean, that just demonstrates that you were an actor and you were doing other stuff. And mm. it amazes me that people don't understand this, that uh, yeah. Yeah, we were in these... It's as if Doctor Who, uh, Cyberman, is all we ever did. Well, yes. You know, it's, it's the least, you know, it's the least of what we did in terms of time, of course. Uh, you know, we, we had other... Yes. We, it's, I was doing television between each each appearance in, in Doctor Who. I, I was doing television all the time. I was in theatre all the time. Um, and it's, I, I suppose, see, that there's a bit of a, at that time anyway, there's a bit of a feeling in the BBC um, that if, you know, if an actor's been in something, you just call them up. Of course, they're going to be available to do the next thing because, yes. you know, you're offering them a part. They they seem, and I think probably I had a bit more notice than Mark about uh, a story with the cyber leader coming up, um, right. because you know they're kind of a bit lackadaisical about uh, oh oh the cyber lieutenant as well yes of course you know that sort of thing yeah and you know if they'd been a bit more uh, preemptive about it Mark I think they yes. may have been able to get you in into it absolutely I'd have made sure I could have. I would have done it better. And of course, the difference is, of course, a theatre thing, for example, it can go on for six months or something if you're doing a tour yeah. or something. You know, you have five weeks rehearsal, yeah. which are all day, and then you're doing the show in the evening. And if it's not near London, or um, then it's, it's, there's very little chance of you being able to do the, you know, the television, which is which is yeah. the end, probably what was it, would be two days, well, maybe two weeks' work or three weeks' yeah. work or something like that. Yeah. The, I, I mean, this, this is the thing you, it's, it's so strange. I mean, you, so, you know, there is so little uh, factual information uh, about uh, theatre that people do and all that, unless it's a yeah. hu you know, huge hit or a big musical or whatever. But, uh, you know, British actors anyway are doing theatre all the time. That's, that's what, you know, careers are made up of. Really, That's where our training comes from. That's what we're trained to do. And I think it's quite often mentioned the difference. I was talking to a really good ADR guy. Uh, you know, he runs his own sink, uh, you know, sinking company, a uh, um, yeah. dubbing company. Uh, and, and he said there's a huge difference between the British actors he uses and, say, American actors. Because, they, because of this kind of base 
uh, um, use. They're, they're, they're so actors who are used to being in the theatre, being clear, you know, getting getting different characters. Um, it, this close-up work of film, doing that all the time, uh, mm. means that you you know you almost you, you cannot uh, you you cannot be distinguished. You cannot you cannot be heard necessarily beyond a few feet. You know you you, you need the kind of theatre basis in order to bring uh, a kind of weight uh, and a difference yeah. to all the, the characters cat. you might play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and of course it's transformed now. the The theatre scene, I think, has diminished hugely. I mean, at that time there were reps, weren't there, in pretty well every town that they used to or city where they'd sign you up for six months or a year or something. Yeah, and um, yeah, now there's and very you, little of that, so things are shifting over more like yeah, to the American thing, I suppose. But there's a lot of fringe, a lot of fringe work, and but a lot yes. of tours as well. And you, I seem to remember, you were in a tour when you have. Uh, about that, around about that time, I was on a tour of well, apart and a from Peter the, Nichols, Peter uh, Nichols. Private on Parade. That's yeah, right. Private on Parade. Yeah, yeah that went wow. all over the place. Yes, mm. played Eric Younglove, which is a very nice character to play. <laughs> well, okay, I'm going to say then, the favour I'm going to ask is because we didn't get to talk about any of these other things, and you know, between the pair of you, you've been also in you know fascinating other things, and. Personally speaking, one of the things I find more interesting almost than the Doctor Who stuff is the other things that people do and what it's like doing other things and how it all fits together. So would the pair of you like to come back in maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, whatever, and do this all over again and talk about everything but Doctor Who? (laughs) Will anybody listen? (laughs) They'll listen. Yeah. If you come, they'll listen. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think I'm pretty That's sure it. they will because I've done this before with other people, and mm. yes. I, I think I think it's you know uh, even if people are like full on Doctor Who fans and maybe not so much of anything else, if I've got the cyber leader and the cyber lieutenant from the yes. 1980s on the Skype talking to me, people are going to be interested no matter what they've got to say. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, but yes, yeah. Well, if you'd both like to do this again, then we will. But okay. we're probably going to have to knock it on the head now. So, okay. but but thanks both for sharing all your memories of that stuff, and thank you both so much for coming in and doing it. It's been really great. I've really enjoyed it, actually. It's, it's been interesting. Have you? It has yeah. been a great oh, pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Thank you, well, thank you. Yeah, as soon as okay. we can arrange it, we'll do it again. Then, great. okay, I'll be there. Okay, we'll get right. on our cyber scooters now. and so um oh next week might also be a guest podcast and but until then i was jr and i was talking to david and mark and we'll speak again soon